Thank you for joining us on our journey here to preserve the history of mixed martial arts. When I wanted to take on this project, I needed help. I brought in one of my favorite matchmakers, Miguel Iterate, and the MMA detective, Mike Davis. So to do this, we've been able to preserve history. Welcome and enjoy. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you for watching. I think uh, we just, what are we in the top? Top 25%, Mike. We're doing some great stuff. I don't know what it is. We're working to get to 15, top 10, something. I don't know. Yeah, Chris, we cracked We cra cracked the top 25% of podcast downloads uh, last year uh, for Buzzsprout, which is like a major carrier of one of the largest carriers of uh, of um, gentrifying podcasts. So, no, dude, we're, we're doing some real big things, man. It's uh, This last quarter, we've seen a huge bump in our audience. Well, people are finally learning what we're doing. We want to bring people in to find out how they got to where they are right now, their story, because there's some amazing stories. we got one tonight for you, um, or today, whenever you're watching, listening. Alex, why, Alex, how the hell you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I've got nervous and excited at the same time. <laughs> Don't be nervous, man. This is all fun stuff. We're talking about you. We're wanting to know about your path to get to where you are because uh, – it's a cool one, and and that's what we would like to do. We'd like to hear all these uh, interesting, crazy stories and how people got from A to B. And, and you're where you you know where you're at now. But how did you get there? So I'm gonna let Mike take off at the beginning because he does all the research, and I just like to be here, listen, and chime in. All right. So Alex, the one thing about you is everybody knows you almost died as a child, but you very rarely ever talked about the story. So why don't we start from there and kind of build out uh, and, and uh, you know, just to kind of add context, we've got coach Kelly Birch uh, who helped line this entire thing up. Um, he's pretty uh, vocal on a lot of our podcasts and he has insisted we interview one of his friends who I, obviously we're, we're a fan of Alex White. So Alex, why don't we start from the very beginning so people can understand just the ground floor of where you came from. All right. Uh, I guess uh you talking about the accident? Go ahead, I, uh, brother. I, uh, we was actually on our way to Walt Disney World. Uh, well, I was around the age, I think, five or six. And uh, we stopped at a roadside park along the way. And uh, my dad was working on the vehicle. And uh, me and my brothers was playing tag. I uh, ended up getting thirsty, so... Uh, I grabbed this uh, gallon jug. You know how you got the flavored gallons like uh, uh, fruit punch or like the, the red diamond tea stuff? Oh, yeah. Uh, all right, so we, we had the lemonade kind, and uh, I grabbed the jug, and I drank out of it. It turned out that uh, my dad dumped it out to put gas in it to work on the vehicle. I didn't know that. So, uh, uh Next thing I, I realized, uh, I woke up in the hospital in a bubble. The uh, doctor said it was a miracle that I made it through that uh, I uh, drank, uh, I guess, too much, and it bumped my vocal box to where I had a speech impediment afterwards. And uh, that's, that's been a challenge for most of my life. So it fried your vocal cords. Do you remember going into 
like a different dimension. I mean, I don't know if you've eaten yeah. psychedelics, but you kind of just. Yeah, I, I, I did. So that's great. So yeah, just, just I still remember. Uh, I I seen the uh, black and white swirls, and then I had an out of body experience. That, that was my first. Uh, I actually seen my dad give me CPR, and my brother he he ran, he ran out of sight. I didn't know what he was doing. Later on, I found out uh, he ran into the highway to get a uh, car to stop to take me to the hospital. But as I was watching my dad give me CPR, there was a uh, like a figure behind me. I, I don't know, it's like I guess uh, you could just tell it's like a, a friendly human figure that's just watching over me. I guess. So you saw like ancient geometry and stuff like that that people talk about when they eat like that, box that, of mushrooms. That, 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 <laughs> Like I said, it's just like black and white swirls, and then, bam! I, I was out out of my body watching my dad give me CPR. Okay. And then there's, there's, like I said, somebody that was behind me watching me. I, I like, I know he was talking. I don't remember what he said or what he said, but I don't know. I used to work in my time. So this kid right here is bullied. He's in a shell. And he's got 10 fights in the UFC. And is a dude, this guy's got like the Homer Simpson effect. Like this kid gets hit with fucking bricks and it doesn't even affect him. Like we're going to get into that during the course of your career. So did you get a lot of fights or did you just kind of sit back? So uh, I wouldn't really call it fights. Uh, They kind of just, you know, pushed and pegged and a little bit. And other than that, just kind of just, Pushed it off and went my own way. Now, now, Alex, real quick. I mean, I'm a firm believer. MMA is a tough sport, man. To be able to endure something like the MMA lifestyle, I mean, it's hard. So the way I always look at it, you have to have, like, some kind of motivating factor. And I always tell people, like, I, I have an anti-bully foundation. I tell people who are being bullied, I'm like, man, you have to utilize this pain and this stuff to drive you. Everybody who does great things has some some pain that's making them that, that drives them to do great things. Do you feel like this is something that maybe helped you? You've channeled this negative energy and, and made you want to be a better person. Do you think that? Have you ever thought about it like that? Yeah, uh, I think that was a big part because uh, I guess with me dealing with that situation, I, I kind of wanted to. Uh, become stronger so that way if anybody was picked on or was in trouble like how I was and how my, my uh, brothers were, I'd be able to, to uh, intervene and do something about it. Good, so I, I think that, that that helped push me. So you talked about going into a shell. There's certain like benchmarks in high school that if you're a fighter, you're definitely got to check them. You know, usually like a fighter's kind of like the rock and roll lifestyle guy. And you don't come across as that. So was dating difficult? What about sports? Like, what what were you doing in high school? You said you didn't street fight, which is kind of surprising. So what were the activities that, that you participated in? Uh, the, the only thing, so it was in high school is when I started sports. Uh, it was cross country, track, and tennis. That's, uh, yeah, I... <laughs> I didn't know you played tennis. I played tennis one year. Uh, I I joined cross country, and uh, well, freshman year, and I was just to get out of the house. That's when like I was trying to 
get out of that shell a little bit, get away from the house. No, no wrestling. You never thought about wrestling. No, uh, my school didn't have wrestling. Where, where were you from? Uh, I went to uh, Arcadia Valley in Arlington, Missouri, for what third grade to sophomore year. Okay. So, how many people are in the city that you grew up in? In Arlington, uh, <laughs> mm. so so. So there's like three little towns that's put together. There's like Ironton, Arcadia, and probably not like I, I, I guess just in Ironton, probably maybe a thousand. <laughs> He's not lying. <laughs> so, Chris, this is what I really enjoy. We got a guy in the middle of nowhere without <laughs> an athletic background in combat sports. That's got a speech impediment that takes himself away from social situations rather than getting involved in it, and he winds up in the UFC. <laughs> well, let's let's hear how that happened, man. How'd that? Hundred percent, dude. I mean, you got to come out of your shell at some time. Where does it happen? Where does your life start to kind of change its direction? So it it changed whenever. Uh, so. Like I said, I went to uh, Arcadia Valley to sophomore year, and then I moved in with my dad uh, in Fulton, Missouri. That's about 20 minutes away from Jefferson City. And there, that I guess I pushed myself to, uh, I guess, to get to know people, to uh, interact with others. And I did, I did it a little bit with the... Uh, some of the school kids, but uh, I really interacted more with the people that I worked with because I started at McDonald's in Fulton, started working there, and I just started to hang out with them, and I slowly just came out of my shell. When, when did the fighting aspect start? How did that come to be? So I know <laughs> my cousins, uh, my dad, uh, it's uh, my dad's sister's kids. Uh, that they they host these like uh, in home boxing fight. <laughs> so my dad wanted to watch, <laughs> and uh, so he took me and we watched. And then my cousins asked me if I wanted to do it. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Cause I, like, I I always watch the uh, Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Bruce Lee movies. I'm a big fan, right? So I'm like, I mean, I'll, I'll give it a shot. You know, I, I was with the family and then a couple of those guys. And uh, so I, I boxed and uh, I uh, actually ended up beating the guy that they put me against. And it, it turns out that the guy was telling his buddies I was actually a Golden Glove uh, boxer. And I'm like, that's my first time ever boxing. But uh, <laughs> all right. You're an ass. Yeah, Chris. He cleans out the family. He takes care of family <laughs> business day one. The enforcer. Hey, I, you I know, got a question, though. Sorry to jump in there. But, you know, we we interviewed a lot of retired fighters, and they always mentioned the Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee aspect and stuff. But you're a young man. I mean, when you were 14 years old, the UFC, you know, was already owned by Zufa. So, like, when, when did you see your first UFC? Like, how did that break come about? <laughs> you <laughs> so oh man my my all right 
My first UFC that I watched was actually with these guys. I, I didn't watch the fights. I just I watched martial art movies, but uh, I, I didn't start watching the fights till I joined the gym and then uh, <laughs> hung out with these guys a couple of times. Wow. So, so yeah. <laughs> let me just try to piece this together. You're working at McDonald's. You're slinging fries and hash browns. And then how do you wind up over with Kelly Birch? At, what's the name of your gym, Kelly? Well, at the time, it was Destruction MMA down in Ironton, Missouri. So, and the gym was right next door to a McDonald's. That there I it is. That's how, that's how it happened right there. So in between hanging out with Mayor McCheese, you wind up over at Destruction yeah. MMA. Is that so, where so, we're at? So, I, 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 so it's after high school, though. I, I, didn't, I didn't meet them until after high school. Yep. Okay, wait, Chris, now watch this. After high school, he started training. Okay? How old yeah, were I, you? I was, I was 19, about 19 or 20. Yeah. Okay, watch this. How old were you when you made it to the UFC? I was 24, 25. Ooh, pretty fast. You so was, you never yeah. trained till you're 20, never watched the UFC till you're 20, and then you go to the – what made you go to the gym? I knew you did that box and you liked that. You said, I'll, I'll go to the gym and try this. It's a little different. What made you walk in there? Uh, so I wanted – so the, the gym aspect, I guess because <laughs> I – that that goes back to me like once seem to stop something, uh, if, if something ever happened in front of me, you know, what I'm saying, uh, I know, I guess on the street I was okay, I was decent, but you know, uh, shit still happens in front of you, and if you can't do nothing about it, man, like I, I wanted to get myself to a point where I was strong enough to do something about it, and, uh. <laughs> I was, I, was, I was only down during the summer. I was only going to stay for a couple months. And uh, after I joined the gym, I got my ass handed to me. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I like it. <laughs> and I uh, ended up moving back down to uh, Arcadia. So, so, Chris, when he got signed to the UFC, at that moment, there was only one other person younger than him on the roster. Ooh. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So, Kelly, Kelly, Kelly when, her, when he first came to the gym, what, what was your first impression of him? So, um, I showed up to work out before we were going to practice. And at the time, this is no lie, before we got the facility built that we was training in for several years, we was literally training in a room. What was it? 10 by 12? Yeah, I mean, it was a little yoga room. Um, <laughs> but the thing was the the coach who was running the gym, he was so passionate and he was saying, listen, just give me time. I'll have this facility built. And we all just had faith in that. And he did come through and it was a world-class facility right there in a little chunk of Missouri. And it was unbelievable. But uh, I come in and I open the door to the gym. I see him and another dude. And it looks like a Jackie Chan movie. Like YouTube <laughs> is jumping and kicking, spinning. I'm like, what in the world is going on in here? And I'm like, I seen Alex and I saw like just raw athleticism and 
I just, I don't know that he was being so creative and I've never seen this dude. I knew he never really trained before or fought and here he is doing these kicks and stuff. I'm like, I'm like, I assumed he had some sort of kickboxing background or maybe some Taekwondo. <laughs> no, he, he, he had been the gym for maybe three days. Yeah. yeah. Was I was just blown away by it. I was like, and then he started practicing. If I could jump in, Kelly, let me ask you a little bit. I'm an old school guy, so Missouri to me, to me, we got Mike Rogers and uh, Raleigh Delgado, Matt Hamilton. Eventually, Wade Rome was there with an ATT school. Where do those fit in in your world, or are you uh, a part of another group? Are you asking me this? Yes. Oh well, uh, with Mike Rogers, um, I started training up north and at St. Charles MMA and at uh, Rodrigo Bahi main school. I made the trip up there to change schools because I wanted to do gi jiu-jitsu and work my way up from that. And I knew that was the one thing missing in my game. So then I got connected to Mike Rogers. I'd competed against some of his guys before. Um, so I knew who he was and knew their guys was very talented. So I started just training with them when I could. And um, they had a room full of guys who eventually most 90% of them went on to fight in the big shows um, so I bridged the gap between the school in Ironton to, to, to St. Louis. I was the first guy to make that transition and I just helped kind of get our guys up there so they can get real work in, um, and see other styles. And that's, that's kind of how that all came together. It was super competitive when we first started training there because we were the odd guys out coming up there and, and Alex was sparring with the best guys in St. Louis with only seven or eight amateur fights and I was seeing him putting dudes on their butts that had been in the game for five, six years and was fought close to 20 times. So I knew we had, we had something, we had a golden egg on us. I knew that from the beginning. So in essence, you're looking at a guy with pure rage and anger from, you know, the disabilities that he had walk into a gym rather than go hide through drugs or alcohol or video games he went to a gym to kind of figure it out, and he excelled. That's impressive. Now, now so a lot of times I'll talk to people, and, and they'll ask me questions about, you know, I, I'm a, I started a long time ago when it was nuts. You could headbutt and do all kinds of stupid stuff. And they'd ask me, like, Chris, why did you decide to be why, – why did you choose to be a fighter? And I always tell them, I didn't choose it. It chose me. You know, I sound like that's kind of similar for you. You know what I mean? It just seems like you were – you did, you're just born to be a fighter. That's what it sounds like. You know what I mean? So yeah. do you get that feeling like this is just – it's natural to you in a way? Absolutely. Uh, I, I only started training just to push myself to see how far I could go. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, like, even, like, to the UFC, like, I wasn't trying to get in the UFC. It was just kind of one of those things, like, hey, Alex, you know, like, that they're taking notice of you. Uh, Cause I think it was uh, my first manager was Charles McCarthy. Really? Yeah. That's I can look up with him. He's from Florida. Yeah. Uh, he, he seen uh, my fight on uh, Access TV. It's my first fight on Access TV against uh, Roy Babcock. And uh, he, he contacted us. Uh, and he's like, hey, man, I think I can get you, you know, with a couple more fights, get you to uh, right hell. All right. I, mean, I, I guess, why not? Why not make money while doing what I want? 
Okay, so let me just rewind a little bit because we're going to get there. Your first amateur fight on record is August 15, 2008. Is that the actual first fight? Because this was kind of, you were on the bubble of the kind of the outlaw days of MMA. I think it was in 2009, wasn't it? Yeah, January 2009, for sure. I, I, have, his, I have the fight footage at the house, and uh, it was his very first fight. And from then on, I think he fought like six more times that year. All right. When did you fight uh, Tyler Humphreys? Was that your first fight ever? Uh, here, here. I don't remember. So it's Absolute Fighting Championship. The promoter's Brad Wick. He owns that uh, what Team Pitbull or something. Was that your first fight ever? Uh, I think it was down in uh, Fort Lanwood, right? Yes. Was that the one in Fort Lanwood? Second. What was your first fight? Yeah. I I know my first fight was in Fort Leonard Wood. What Leonard was? Yeah. Uh, Okay, so your amateur career is pretty much not documented. How many amateur fights did you have? Uh, I thought it was 16 because I fought in Italy, but it turns out the guy in Italy was a pro, so they (laughs) put him on my pro wrong. And uh, so I guess technically it's 15. So you have 15 amateur fights, and I, I think on record, there's only like three of them that are documented. So you, you were pretty active and busy. What about the amateur side? I mean, did you have like opponents smoking before the fight, like wearing jeans, like <laughs> in your bout? Like describe your amateur career. <laughs> there, there's this one guy. We call him uh, Code Red. Code Red, not too bad. Yes. yes. So, Code Red. Yeah, Code Red. Okay. So, it's down in uh, Cape Dorado. Is uh, the black was it Black Coliseum? No, it's it was not, Papa Bluff. Oh, Papa Bluff. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I've never been there. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> but we we made weight, and like as soon as this guy made weight, man, like he's like, wow, just busting. And I was like, dang. And then he's like. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> They're drinking that cold red. No, I don't know. So it's just pounding energy drinks, getting oh, hyped okay. up the night before, right after weighing, huh? The guy, the guy was a stud. He did get me. He did get me one one good punch. I didn't remember. He gave, he gave me a cauliflower L. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here we go. Your Your first pro fight actually takes place in italy that's what you were saying that's november 19th 2010 is that your first plane ride ever uh no uh i flew to uh chicago a couple times Uh, i was uh i fought for uh, team usa but before i fought for team usa i fought to get on the team all right chris lyle do you know what this reeks of What's that? Team USA, Chicago. It's got, Bob Sh- it's got Bob Shermer written all Bob over Shermer, it. Bob Shermer, yeah. Some- Thank you. I'm sorry, what? Did you fight for Bob Shermer to get on Team USA? The, the name does sound familiar, but it was uh, Rob. I know the one of the main guys was Rob Zabelski. 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 Yeah. <laughs> all right, so what we got guy. here is... We got some TMA stuff kind of transitioning. Rob Zabilski is actually like a, like a kickboxing guy. Bob Shermer. I'm, 
both very respected people within the mixed martial arts world in its beginning days, but they would bring over like the TMA type feel. And we always thought like this whole team USA, he'd been like trying to push this on everybody locally for about five years and nobody ever traveled anywhere except like one year, you know, like, well, I made team USA. He's like, yeah, congratulations. You can say you're on team USA for like a year, you know, until he had his next tournament. So we all kind of looked at it locally, like, man, dude, we got to stay away from this. So <laughs> you actually got a trip to Italy out of it. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, okay. It was uh, me, Austin Knight, and uh, Jason Slavery. That's right. What were the accommodations like? Because anything with Bob usually has got some kind of hiccups in it. Accommodations, feel, promotion. I guarantee uh, something took place there. Truthfully, uh, I mean, it, it was legit. Like, uh, they had us the plane right there. They had us a interpreter, uh, the hotel stay. Although, that was questionable. Some, like, someone does walk in in the middle of the night and, like, stare at They, like, stared at everybody. <laughs> and then <laughs> one night, we even heard, like, someone screaming in the street. <laughs> we were, like, looking at each other. We're, like, <laughs> so how bad was the screams? Yeah, like? it, it was loud. <laughs> You like, yeah, like someone got hostile. I don't know. Wait, wait. <laughs> let, let me just recap. So you guys are staying, is it a hotel or is it like a kind of like a hostel or Airbnb? Uh, it's a hotel. It's, uh, and some guy, like, some guy walked into your room and stared at you and then left? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no locks on the door? What? <laughs> Truthfully, I I think there was. I I don't think we locked it or, or we picked it. I I, <laughs> I don't remember. I, I remember like my coach was like, "Who is that?" Which, which woke me up. I'm like, "What?" And then, and then this guy's just staring at us, looking around, <laughs> and like, mind you, like there was like what four or five people in that room, and uh. <laughs> uh my my coach was like, "Well, <laughs> if they kill us, they have." So, wow. Really wow, wow, that's interesting. So yeah. you get over to Italy, you fight Peter or Petro Falco. Um, that's a big step for somebody that's only got a couple of years training. You're in a foreign country. I mean, you was it big city, bright lights? Were you scared or were you able to kind of acclimate? Uh, I, I mean, I was nervous. A uh, uh, new place. I, I was excited. I mean, we, we was there for what, like four days, four or five days, and uh, I just walked around, explored, and uh, I, I had a good time, I guess. You know, like I felt, I felt good to the soul just to be somewhere new, see new things, and uh, and I mean, during that time, like I just wanted to eat. <laughs> Do you yeah. feel like you performed well during that fight? I mean, a lot of times people's first big fight like that, they're kind of they, – they don't perform well. Do you, do you feel like you did well? Uh, yeah. yeah. I uh, Like I said, before the fight, we had a couple of days, so, like, there wasn't really no jet lag. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I I guess what this guy had, like, 80 – was it 80-something shoot boxing? He had a lot of shoot boxing matches. Yeah, he was very experienced. Uh, watch, watch, but we didn't know that. But <laughs> I, I just 
I usually just go out there, like just think of all the possibilities of what he could do to me, which, you know, what would I do? You know, put myself in the situations and just go, go from there. You know, it usually takes a couple of hits for me to get started. How'd how the fight end going? Did you, how, how did it end up? Uh, the, uh, this guy was supposed to be a stud, uh, stand-up guy, and I was beating him uh, standing up-wise. He tried taking me down, and I just choked him out real fast. Nice. Yeah. You know, we've got a lot of European listeners. We, we legitimately, especially like the United Kingdom, at this time, not now, because I don't want anybody to get their feelings hurt, but <laughs> at this time, there was a huge level difference between what was going on in Europe and South America and Central America and the United States and Brazil. Like the United States, Brazil, and Canada really were dialed in more so than our European counterparts at this time. Chris, would you agree? Yeah, they 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 were, you know, in Europe, they usually had pretty good stand-up, but wrestling was non-existent. Ground was just coming along. They just didn't and hadn't put it all together yet. You know, Japan had been good early. Um, you know, Brazil, South America, good. U.S., Canada was coming along. But, I mean, it, it took them a while to catch up because there's just lack of groundwork in wrestling. They just didn't have any concept of that kind of martial arts. So, just once they got that going on, that's why you got all these guys from, you know, Dagestan and those other places that are just killed it because they have that wrestling background and it just translates easily for them. So. Hey, Alex, uh, so let me ask you, Mike, you're so uncouth. Where in Italy were you? Uh, Livorno. We're in the oh. uh, oldest uh, port city. Okay, so, so you know, it's Italy. It's the mafia. Was there anybody, like, you know, feeding you food that made you sick or, you know, any funny business or anything like that bothering you for leaning for the opponent? These guys, there's got to be something in there. Somebody had to push you around. Well, they had a Staring they, 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 they actually loved us. Like, uh, like all, all the uh, little, uh, I guess, bakery stores were like playing American music. Like we, we asked the interpreter to like, hey, ask them if, if they know like what it's saying, if they understand. They don't. They just like the the tune of it. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I I had no one really like threaten us or. I mean, I, I didn't really even see any mafia type people there. Truthfully, okay. uh, so I know the uh, well, one side of the uh, walk, like uh, on the road, like it's made out of marble, well, which was pretty cool. And uh, they also had a McDonald's there, which I had to try out. <laughs> now, try yeah, out my you, didn't try, you didn't try out, you ate it, you didn't try yeah, out, like, yeah, yeah. What's the catch here? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's <laughs> okay, right. funny. So you make Team USA, which is shocking, and um, you go to Italy. And when do you start to understand that this fight thing might be pretty serious in your life? Uh, truthfully, uh, whenever I turn pro, uh, I I I only trained what well, once a day. Uh, I know Joe and other guys like tried to get me to come in more often to do some CrossFit strength conditioning, and I was like, eh. And then after I turned pro, 
uh, I think that's when I kind of took it more seriously. And that's when I started to do the CrossFit, conditioning, and all that. Is that just once? Now, now, real quick, going back a bit, um, you, you, what did you think the first time that you actually watched the UFC with these guys? You were like, man, this is something I want to do. Do you think, man, this is neat? Or do you just saying, hey, this is another fight? What did you think the first time you saw? It? Was that something you wanted to be part of right away? Uh, so the first time watching UFC was probably at Joe's. Yeah, yeah. We got together. Yeah, it was at Joe's. Uh, we invited all everybody from the gym over. They did a little cookout. We watched it. And I mean, he didn't know a single fighter though. Yeah, he I, didn't know anyone. Which I, I still don't know half of everyone either now, but <laughs> it's unbelievable. Do you remember so, which UFC it was? Who was the main event? It was Chuck and Rashad Evans. <laughs> Chris, that's the guy you you wager against. The one that knows nobody. <laughs> so I, I feel like I, now, like I feel like it's in my favor to where like I don't psych myself out. You yeah, know? yeah, it's a good thing. Okay, did you actually have a fight first, or did you watch a UFC first? I fought first. Yeah. Oh my God. No lie. <laughs> I asked what him if he knew Chuck Liddell, and he didn't know who he was. Well, you knew Chuck, but you didn't know anybody else. Yeah. Really, that's what it was. It's crazy. It reminds me of what a. Uh, you know, I helped get Matt Mitrione on that reality show, The Ultimate Fighter 10, like the, the first time with heavyweights, I think, or second time, I don't know. But uh, he, he'd he been a football player, played in the NFL. He didn't know any fighters. So he gets on the show, and they're talking about, like, Randy Couture, and he's like, who's that? And they're, like, laughing, and they're like – and he's like uh, – he, he had really had no idea. I don't know if they thought he was joking or what, but he had no idea who anybody was hardly. It was hilarious. That's Very weird. similar. <laughs> That's good. I, I can't imagine like talking to somebody. I know you've never seen the UFC before, but there's a cage that you're gonna fight in. It's ah, like what? it's a lot to take in, you know. It really is. I don't know, man. Like, well, what I tell people now is, why watch it when he when he can be about it, you know? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So. You're running through people. CJ Hunter out of St. Charles MMA. So you're fighting like legit people from legit gyms. Beat him. You fight Greg Wilson at Fight Me MMA. So, Chris, so Fight Me MMA was like this NHRA race car guy that would kind of like throw a party where everybody could come for free and he would pay for the fights and they would have like 10, 12,000 people there. Wow. So, to fight on the fight me cards, it only lasted a few events. It was pretty special. So what was it like fighting CJ Hunter and Greg Wilson on those cards with that many people there? Uh I mean again, it's it's nerve-wracking. Uh I guess like as soon as I get in the ring, I'm still nervous. I guess I I I stopped getting nervous after getting hit a couple times. And that's when I'm like, oh okay, this is for real. All right, I need to be moving my head. Yeah. But uh, I, I guess just by fighting for it, I mean, it's pretty cool, I guess. I know uh, the Fight Me one did like a magazine thing. Like I had to sign a couple autographs and like that. That That's kind of surreal like to me because, you know, <laughs> it's up to me for autograph. I was like, 
I don't know. I am. I'm just me, but yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. So the fight meet was actually a pretty big deal. I think there were some lawsuits. I think it's Nico <laughs> Price was one of the fighters that was involved. Something happened where lawsuits took place and the promotion ended. Um, and then you fight Cage Championships 38 against Mark Nguyen. So Mark Nguyen, okay. tough Filipino guy. Yeah, oh, he, he throws heavy punches, but he's got cardio issues. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a hard head too, man. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> I uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think he actually came in a little bit heavy on that one. Uh, he had, he ended up giving like a small percentage over, which. What what was his excuse though? What did he say? I I don't remember. From what I remember, the dude purposely missed weight because he wanted to be able to absorb Alex's punches. That's a stupid thing to say. I mean, I wouldn't say that out loud. That's dumb. I mean, you'd have to be really overweight to make that big of a difference. I mean, hey, I'd take the free money. Cool. I, I think it was like only like, what, six, seven pounds. I, well, it wasn't that big of a difference, but yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big weight miss. It's a big difference. That's a huge weight miss. So, <laughs> not in Missouri. <laughs> Fair enough. Much, the the, the thing with Mark Nguyen is that he throws hard punches. And Alex, like if you watch the fight on YouTube, the amount of like hits that Alex took, like it, 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 there was no doubt that this guy's got a like a head filled with cement. Like there's no friggin' crack in Alex, like in, Alex in knocking is, him out. He's got the Homer Simpson syndrome. Yes. Yes, That's he does. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you ever get dazed in that fight, Alex? Uh, uh I, I think it was uh one of those uh I guess like uh lightning bolts, you know, like uh oh okay, yeah. White I, 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 I can take twelve more of those, you know. I'll be all right. <laughs> But uh, it's a funny story because whenever I first started to train, uh, Joe had me go with this uh, boxer guy. I was going to bring this up. Okay, okay. Go go ahead, man. You're you're on it, dude. It's uh, Josh. It was uh, Jason Singleton's son. Yeah, no, it's James. James. James Singleton. Now, now he's been boxing for a couple years. Couple. The kid had 200 amateur fights. Jeez. uh, Joe had me go with him, and like so we're going, and like I just dropped my hands down here, and like he's like, about just teeing off on me, and Joe stopped me. He's like, "What are you doing? Get your hands up!" I'm like, "All right." So, so you know, he goes to do it again. I throw my hands back down for him to hit me again, and Joe, Joe's like, "Dude, what are you doing? You got to bring your hands up." I'm like, "I just wanted to see how it felt." He's like, "See what how it felt," and I was like, uh, "To get hit." He's like, what? <laughs> he probably thought there was a screw loose in me, but I did. I, I did a little Cobra Kai thing, you know, get the hesitation out of the way. I thought he was nice. Yeah. I did. <laughs> so so uh, I, I think I think from that point on, like I wasn't scared to get hit. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> I got, like you said, I got that Homer Simpson. Where am I? Well, Mark, you are you armbird, Mark. Uh, new win, and like I said, he's it's a fun fight to watch. Like yeah, that crowd was was hot. Are you a big ticket seller at this point? 
No. I disagree, but do you think? Uh, he has a pretty good fan base through St. Louis and through our area for sure. He's very supported and loved by a lot of people. Yeah. He doesn't give himself credit. But, but Kelly, that's now. How about then? So there was a pop in the time, audience. He was gaining he was gaining serious ground for an amateur, in my opinion. Uh he was very exciting to watch. He wasn't a boring wrestler like myself. He went out there and scrapped and he had a lot of to watch him. <laughs> Just being honest. So Chris, in, in terms of like kind of understanding where fighters are at, you look at their opponent's record. Sometimes they're a little bit beat up, but then you kind of look at the quality of opponents. His next opponent fought Chase Beebe, one of the first 135-pound world champions for the WEC. Yep. And although we lost, Chase Beebe really had a hard time with them. And that was Javon, uh, Javon Wright, the Wolfman, out of Modern Combat Systems. So, like, as big of a like test as Mark, uh, as Mark Nguyen was, I, I honestly thought Javon Wright was somebody that was kind of right – a little step, a couple steps ahead of him. Yeah, uh, I know uh, we was on double O at that time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, uh, what's his name? Jay Powell. I know uh, he trained with us, and uh, I know he ended up fighting him and lost. So uh, I know, like the whole group was kind of getting together to get me, get me ready for this fight. Tell me the the pros and cons, what I should do and what I shouldn't. So I feel like I entered that fight. I, I was well prepared for it. So Rumble Time Promotions is your next bout. You fought for promoter Jim Jenkins. Yeah. Okay. So, what's, what's uh, just full disclosure here? Like Alex, these are kind of like shoot interviews, and what we do is, and I don't have to do this with you, but other people, we kind of load them with questions to get them talking, and then we hit them with, with stuff that they're not supposed to answer, and then they do. So. <laughs> Jim, like, I keep a running list of people that have issues with fighters. And it doesn't mean they're all accurate, but like kind of promoters that maybe owe people money. And Jim Jenkins is absolutely on that list. Did you have yeah. issues with pay in regards to him? I think there's only one time that uh, he he uh, said help get me. And, and, it, and it, was, it was a week later. Okay. He did get me a week later. So, uh, yeah, I, I got it. him. Uh, I, and I want to say, like, I fought from a couple of times. And, like, after that, it was like he, he asked me that one time. I'm like, yeah, that, that's fine. Because I guess he was having financial problems or something. Hey, dude, as long as you got your money, that's all that matters. I'll honor that. Even if it's a week late, you got your cash. He, he probably recognized that he had a legit fighter on here who could sell tickets and people like, so he'll pay him. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So you beat Charles Spain with a KO. He refused. He went like kid cookies. I remember seeing him fight live a couple times. So you got through him and you're undefeated up until this point where you take on. Dude, we had this local kid. He became a, a journeyman later on, but at this time he wasn't. He went by ADD, Adam Ward, uh, attention deficit oh, disorder. So I gave him that nickname because he fought for me so many times. <laughs> big ticket seller. Um, April 5th, 2013, Adam Ward at this point was a savage. Like he was, he was legit. Uh, I, I would say that's one of my toughest fights. He was actually the first one to, uh, split my head. Really? Yeah. 
So Adam was an accomplished boxer, um, went to Gilbert Grappling, Danny Joey Gilbert, um, did well. I, I think he peaked and kind of refused to, to kind of take a backseat, maybe step back and retire a little bit. But at this time, he, he was tough. So it was a split decision. Um, I remember him coming home from that fight pretty pissed off, him thinking he won. <laughs> yeah, so I, I agree. I, I could have went either way. I mean, it really could have. I know there's some people that's like, man, I think he might have had it. And other people was like, it was close, but I think truthfully you came out on top. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I, I, I've watched it, and truthfully, it, it could have. It went to him. It went to me, man. Like, I, I'm not a judge. I don't want to be put in that position. You know what I'm saying? But I, I know he's one of my toughest fights, and uh, he actually fought my, uh, yeah. Training partner Eric Govan after that. He did. Okay. Did you I, break I your hand in that fight? Not that fight. No. Oh, I thought you did. Not, not, not that Adam fight. My mistake. I got, I got a little like uh, mystery question. What would you have done if that promoter had said to you, "All right, we need five more minutes out of you guys"? Oh, I, I had cardio for days. We don't have time. <laughs> I'm like, let's do it. It is. Yeah. Uh, would, would, would you have beat, you have beat him? To, to me, I feel like the longer that I go, the better I get. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's that cross country in you. Yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly. It really is. Yeah, it really is. You know, you, you're trained yourself to kind of push through. So, what Miguel is. I want to say, like, during that time, uh, I, I, I'm a slow starter. Like, uh, I'm slow, but my head's, my head's still, you know, like, I haven't got that movement yet. I want to say about after a minute and a half to two minutes, that, that's when I'm I'm starting to warm up. Do you do you ever think about, like, in the back trying to really get a good sweat going and break it down, like, trying to get started earlier? Does that not work for you? Dude, it does not work. I, even with this guy, uh, he called me for one of my UFC fights, and we're like, all right, we're, we're going to hit this hard. I mean, <laughs> like, punch me, you know, like, get me ready. Still, yeah. I, 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 I don't know what it is. I'm just a slow starter. We fought a full three, minute round, a full three rounds back there, and he's lighting me up. I mean, he was going at it. I'm like, he's ready. He's still so <laughs> slow. Like, it's just how it is sometimes, man. Yeah. Well, you know, Alex, great wine needs age. So you just, you know, need a little time. That's all. You guys are about to see something fantastic. But the, the punches you take up until the time you, you start the car and put it in drive, bro, it's friggin' it's bonkers. Like it's I think it actually helps you because your opponents are like, Man, I just cracked this dude with everything I got, and he's yeah. like just stumble back. But he's still pushed forward. Like it's it's got to be a weird feeling if you're on the other side. Yeah, I think that the the only one that actually got a uh, KO. Yeah, the only one that really KO'd me was that uh, Lucas Martinez. And uh, like even like even with that last punch, like I, I thought I was fine, you know, like because we were training punches, and uh, I I went to take a step back to spring off to go into another uh, punch. And that back foot just went numb on me, and that's why I'm like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just I, I took a lot of damage during that fight. 
But uh, I guess that was my first time actually uh, coming to a realization of, you know, I, I can only take so many hits. Okay. Well, you to get to that fight, Lex McMahon comes, he starts Titan FC. He's got some funding, obviously some family funding. And he's actually doing some pretty cool things. And, you know, I don't know Lex. I've never met him. But he and I have some mutual friends. All of them speak very highly of him as a promoter and a person. And so Titan FC comes in, and Roy Babcock is your opponent. And Roy at this time is 7-1, and one, and he's on the UFC shortlist. Do you remember that fight? Yeah. Yeah, I like Roy. Uh, he was pretty cool afterward. Uh, I Something know, strange uh, happened during that bout? Yeah, there was... Uh, so I knocked him out on the ground. It was like a body-body hit. And then uh, his hands were just up, waving like that. And, uh, you know, I saw a punch. I'm like, ref, he's out. The ref looks over him. He's like, keep going. And then I'm like, he's out. And he's like, keep going. So I was like, so that's one of those ones where I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and then, then the, the bell, yeah. Who was the ref? Chris, Chris, you saw the ref and the fighter having an argument about the opponent, while the, the person ref? underneath them is completely just—it's it, like it's like a murder scene. Like you could have just chalked an outline of the guy, and <laughs> and the referee saying, "No, no, no, one more." It's like it's like he owed the ref money or something. Maybe the ref didn't like him. That's what it was. I bet the ref didn't like that dude. Get him, man. He, he ain't done. UFC 2 veteran Fred Eddish here, and you're listening to the Lights Out Podcast. It, it was, it's so crazy that there's about 700 comments on YouTube on that video, all of them going, dude, this referee needs to be, like, banned forever. Like, I mean, that's, that's old school referee back, like, in 2000. They just didn't know what was going on. They're like, eh, he's like a karate guy. If I hit him, I can say, no, you know, please stop. I remember I was at a, at a fight once. And like that, a karate guy doing. It. I'm just watching. I start to climb over the cage, and finally the guy stops it. And I was like, "Hey, man, uh, why don't you take a break? I'll referee this next one." I just never let him back in there. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't even. I, you didn't even need credentials or anything back then. I just refereed. It was hilarious, but that was, yeah, that's what that sounds like. That's awesome. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's, <laughs> it's, it's experience. That's uh, what what, did, what was the conversations like with the commission afterward? That, I mean, it was it was a very controversial thing. It actually made all of the like the MMA news rounds and stuff. It was like it actually was a very good promo piece for that of yourself. I uh, I, I know that they uh, I didn't really talk much to the commission. I talked to uh, Roy and his corner. Uh, I know Roy's like, oh, it's fine, but you know it is what it is. I know the corner. Uh, Connor, you know, thanked me like, "Hey, man, thanks for, you know, do, doing the right thing." And then, I I know that I I got a couple people that hated on me, but like, "Why do you stop? You gotta keep going until the ref stops." And I was like, "I was out, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm in, I'm in there to make myself better and stronger, not not to like damage the guy. I mean, yeah. like, I, I'm there to beat him, but I don't want to ruin like his life or take it to that extreme." Yeah. Dude, you're not trying to catch a case. Like I'm not. I ain't trying <laughs> to get locked up. <laughs> That's the way I looked at it. And and Roy never fought after that. I might add. That was his last fight. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's sad. Yeah, yeah, that is sad. That is sad. And like when we look at people's records, there's certain like telltale signs like that you got to look for. Like we had Sam Alvion and he had about 15 opponents that never fought again after he fought them. And it's like, that's somebody that's got change your life power, you know? And that's what happened to, I mean, you're looking at a guy seven and one with Roy. That was it. Like he called it a day. Like that's. Hey, I, I'm, I'm glad he did that. You know what I mean? Cause too many people, take too much damage and have problems like you need to know when when to say when i think and some people just don't so uh, truthfully i I feel like it i i feel like it makes you even better to know when to stop because i feel like your mind's in it more than just going berserk mode and then just you know just keep hitting them Uh, it's like even training wise like pulling your punches when, when you need to instead of just teeing off i don't know Oh yeah, for sure. The the more experience you get, the better you are at work when people are sparring. Like I can spar with anybody. I've been doing this for twenty five years. You know, what I mean, you should be good enough to go with the best guy in the gym or the worst. Yeah. And I'm not. It's not about me going out there and trying to hit somebody as hard as I can who's been in there for two weeks. That's stupid. That doesn't help anybody out, man. I'm supposed to be a professional and understand how to how to work with everybody. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're undefeated. You beat Will Shutt, who's journeyman, fought for BKFC. But at this point, Will had a winning record. You beat Adam Ryder by triangle. Like, you're finishing everybody. And then Mike Brown pulls off of his fight at, at, uh, on a UFC card against Estevan Payan, and you get the call. What was that like? What was getting a call like? So, uh, it's very exciting. But mind you, at this time, I, I wasn't ready for it. So it was so another thing that my manager was like, hey, can you make weight? And then I was making 145, and I was like, well, about 180. Oh, oh. Yeah, so I had to like a shit. Yeah. So again, the news was exciting and awesome. I'm like, are you for real? I mean, all right, yeah. And then, like, during those two weeks, though, I think it was, what, 13 days I had? Yeah. Roughly. Yeah, uh, it was tough. It was very exhausting. I, I want to say probably one of the hardest mental battles I had to deal with because I, I'm a fat kid at heart. I love to eat. So we got a non-wrestler cutting about, what, 35? You know, 35 30, pounds. 35 pounds to get Dude. down. So that, like, a wrestler has been trained to kind of cut weight and deal with things mentally. It's even harder for a non-wrestler to deal with. Yeah, it is off. Uh, lots of salad. I have nightmares still. <laughs> uh, so, so I remember it was just uh, days where like I, I'm burning so so many more calories than what I'm uh, intaking just to get get it off me. Uh, just drinking water and then just cutting that water out killed me. But uh, I don't know. Did you have much? I mean, it, it, it was that the mo- obviously that's probably the most you ever cut at one time. But I mean, usually making forty five was that pretty tough for you? Or was that not too bad for you usually? Yeah, uh, it, it was tough. Uh, because like like I said, I, I let my weight get too high up, and then usually it takes me about about two eight weeks to actually. Uh, yeah. To wing myself off of the food, the snacks, 
And uh, do you uh, still blow cool. up quite a bit after a fight? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You I know uh, about that Patty Pimbleton yeah, thing. Man. It, it's that Big Mac, man. And the McDonald's. Go back to McDonald's. That hamburger. Uh, McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. No, very beginning. You can get the sponsor, man. McDonald's. Yeah, you're loving it. He's working it hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you get the call, you fight Esteban uh, Payan. Esteban can be a little animated at weigh-ins. Was there any issues with you two? No, uh, I mean, there was nothing during the weigh-ins or, or the post-fight. We just got in and got out. So it's a perfect matchup. You got a guy that's not real technical uh, in his opponent, but takes one to give one. And, and Alex is has got a technical ability, but he likes to brawl instead. So you got, I mean, you just you got two guys that like to brawl. It's, it's a fantastic matchup. Why, why don't you bring us through what took place? Uh, uh, so it was actually that fight. I probably did like what twenty backfests. That just because a, a buddy of mine said, "Oh, hey, he's reaching the backfest. You don't see them coming." So, so he, he got that in my mind. So I probably looked like a tornado out there. I, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I just I, – I remember just going out there. You know, it's a surreal feeling. And uh, the, the crowd, the cameras, uh, I guess just that, that type of environment was new to me. And – I guess I, I I try to do one uh I guess one one of those things where you just try to black the crowd out, just you in the ring along with a guy. It helped kind of. And uh just pumping myself up. You know, like if he does this, I gotta do that and and during, during the fight, I I didn't feel like I was in danger at all really. I think uh I think what he he hit me once, I, I feel. But other than that, I, I was fine. So, Chris, on the way to the ring, you know, they kind of – like, Chris and I have done hundreds of play-by-play commentary before together. So, we always kind of have our rhythm, and the UFC has their rhythm. They mention that Alex wins the 2009 ringside, like, boxing uh, tournament, and Rogan starts, like, shitting on it. Like, like <laughs> I, I don't think he was aware of the prestige behind that. It's it's because boxing so fragmented that yeah. a lot of people don't understand what the big tournaments are. And in in two thousand nine, the ringside tournament was was very big, and he was kind of dumping on it. And by the end of the fight, Rogan's singing your praises. <laughs> Did, uh, well, well, was it was it Rogan that came in the ring afterwards? Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, I, I was kind of starstruck because I'm like, dude, you're from Fair Factor, man. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I, I assumed you didn't know who Joe Rogan was. Yeah. I knew him from Fair Factor. Okay. okay. Yeah, not from MMA. That's right. uh, didn't, that, uh, didn't his opponent at Esteban, didn't he do a couple of that, uh, bare knuckles or not? Or is that a different guy I'm thinking of? That's about I am. Ooh. Did he? Did he do some bare knuckle or not? I think he, Miguel. 
I could have swore he did. I, th- I thought he fought on that other organization that didn't pay anybody, but maybe not. Like, yeah, ca- carry on, boys. I'll look it up. That, I think that first one they put on, uh, like Chris Lee, and everybody fought and it didn't pay anybody. They ripped everybody off. So I think that Boss Rutten attached his name to it. Yeah, yeah that well, was- he, that, he got a bad rap. He had nothing. He was going to commentate for it. And the guy said, Hey, you'll be the president. Like, all right. He didn't know what was going on. But yeah. He got a bad rap. He didn't deserve for that. All right. So, and Alex. I, I, I didn't know who Bass Rutten is. My dad gave me some DVDs after I joined MMA. Nice DVDs. I, I remember this like choke code where he just sticks the fist in the neck. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah. Boss was a man for uh, back in the day. It was awesome. So, so Alex, part of your Wikipedia says that you were homeless at one point. Yeah, I. Uh, so I ended up getting a uh, Camaro. There's a T-top Camaro, and that was during the time when I was training at the gym. My mom kicked me out because she's like, I'm not going to have you in this house where, where you're going to drive that thing and kill yourself. So uh, she ended up kicking me out. <laughs> and uh, I actually lived with the uh, next door neighbor. He had a little, uh, you know, those uh, Kempo shells you stick on the back of a truck? <laughs> I actually lived in those for a couple months. You mean like a shed? It's basically a shed, but I mean, it's it's a little Kempo shell. It's got a Little bed, a table, and yeah, you're good. Yeah, I, I made it work. <laughs> so you lived there for a couple months. Does it even have electricity? Uh, I hooked in stitching code to the neighbor's house. <laughs> hey, boom, got it. Resourceful. That's high living. So you either charge your phone or watch TV. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was living the dream, kind of. <laughs> Oh, laundry was an issue, though. <laughs> no, no room for a washer or dryer. <laughs> hey, I got a, I got a quick update for you, Chris. Sharper than ever, obviously. We got a Stephen Pie on fighting in the very first BKFC, and uh, he also uh, fought uh, another bare knuckle for that other organization as well. So, right on, he did do bare knuckle a couple times. He also did about uh, ten pro boxing matches that. Uh, it looked like he crossed over to be a journeyman over there. Okay, cool. I, I thought I remember that name. Yeah. Man, that's good for you, Chris. Jesus. All right. So, Alex, when you're walking to the cage, what, what's the mantra or what, what are you saying in your head? Uh, truthfully, it's the crowd. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm just surprised by the crowd. Uh <laughs> You know, like, not, not to trip and fall. <laughs> Sometimes I'm bad about that, especially with the codes being in the way. You got the cameraman, like, come on, come on. Uh, you know, they like they want me to do a little shadow boxing. I'm like, okay. And then the guy, you know, give the crowd some high fives. And I guess I really don't start thinking about it till I get in the ring. So it's funny, they got some bright lights too. You don't want to look right at them. You're like, oh, let's get that bright oh, light on yeah. your face sometimes. Yeah, yeah, you'll see the sun spots. <laughs> because when you walk towards the ring, I don't want to, I don't want to offend here. Okay, so I, I, I spent 15 years in law enforcement. You kind of look like a mental patient, like you want to murder somebody. Like you really like the look in your face and your eyes. It's like the wheels are turning, but it's not like everybody else. 
<laughs> yeah, so so in the back, I try to try to get my mind set, just me and that guy. And then okay. I try to keep that focus until I get in the ring, you know? Okay. All right. So, Chris, he – dude, Esteban Payan, it's, they won fight of the night. Like, dude, got a big-ass check cut. You know, it's nice. something that you're used to getting. And he knocks Payan down and keeps pounding on him. The referee jumps in. Payan, to his credit, jumps up right away. And you didn't celebrate. You were just like, well, okay, we can go. We can go. Yeah, and, yeah, so I, I thought he might continue. I'm like, hey, that doesn't count. Let's continue this. I'm like, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. He then, the referee says, hey, bro, you got to move. Like, we're not escalating here. You got to go. Alex walks over to, like, where the gate, the door is, and is still looking at the guy like, we can go. We can go. Like, <laughs> you weren't you weren't finished. So, uh, I, like I said, I, I didn't really watch – like then I, I don't know all the rules, right? And <laughs> oh my so so it's one of those like, are we gonna continue this or like, is it done? I don't know. So I'm the audience doing this the audience trying decide. to keep my mindset instead of just letting it like go off in the wind, right? Yeah, and they they break yet. Like, no, nah, Mike, Mike they haven't they haven't restarted a fight since UFC Japan when they let Sakuraba fight again. <laughs> Remember they stopped it? Okay, you can restart again. He won. So. Yeah, against Conan Silvera. Yeah, that's this. exactly. You know it. Okay. It yeah, happened. Yeah, he wasn't done. Like, I was just like, <laughs> so when I'm studying Alex, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, holy fuck, this guy's got problems. Like, he he's not even – it's his UFC debut. He just knocked the guy out. He probably just got fight of the night, and he still wants to fight the guy. Like, he's, yeah. he's not over. <laughs> He got, he got dialed in. His his mission was to fight that guy. He was just he was still in the mode, Mike. You gotta understand. He he wasn't yeah. done. Yeah. Um, you were a plus one thirty dog, so you came in short notice fight against a guy that needed a win to stay there. So when a guy's zero two in the UFC, you know you're gonna get his best fight on his third fight because he wants to stay. So it's actually it's a very dangerous spot to take. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, the, 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 it was the hype, man. They got rid of him. Uh, was it Bert? Bert. We hey, rolling, Bert. baby. Yeah. Yeah, man. He's a hype, man. He's like, it's easy to get in the UFC. It's harder to stay. <laughs> <laughs> but he was man, dude. I miss I him. I love Bert. Yeah. Yeah, same. Him. And uh, your second fight was against Lucas Martins, the El Manero from Shootbox. He was 14 and one. You come in as a favorite. It's the first time ever you get stopped in a fight. Where do you think the disconnect was in, in regards to your performance, if you had to guess? Uh, I, I, I know. I, I kept I kept going straight into his punches. I, I think like after that first round, uh, uh, my coach was like, "Hey, you got you got to use your angles. You got to get in a different way instead of uh, coming straight into him." Because I mean, I, I I took a lot of hits that fight, and it, I mean, hit. It was almost as if the UFC jitters hit you on the second fight rather than the first. Uh. I mean, to me, like, I, I feel like it, it's the same. I mean, I, it's like the same feeling I get for every 
right? Uh, I, I guess it's it's the staying staying an undefeated fighter for your friends, for the gym, for everybody that you you know that kind of looks up to you. Like, hey man, you're still undefeated. That's amazing. Keep it up. I mean, I, I guess like I, I get those jettos, and sometimes they they do into I guess intervene. But uh, so it, sometimes it's it's for the best, and other times it kind of holds you back. What about your coach, Joe Warden? What, what was your relationship like with him at this time? Uh, so family. Uh, it's actually because of him, like, uh, I, I am, well, I got to where I was from him because there's times, like, when I was homeless, he would come pick me up, take me to the gym, and uh, take me back home, you know? And he'd done that for, yeah, for a while. And then, uh, you know, he's like, if, if I'm down and out or I can't afford to, to go to a tournament, like the uh, uh, boxing tournament, the ringside world tournament, that that's because him and his wife. Man, that's awesome. That's why you're so loyal to him, huh? Yep. Yeah, he he, he refuses to move. Good. He, uh, Good. Alex, have you, ever, have you been tempted by bigger gyms to kind of come over and train with them? So uh, he actually, uh, my coach encourages me to go to other gyms. Uh, he's he's fine with me seeing the other coaches. Uh, I always bring Joe along every fight. That doesn't matter if he's the main coach or, or if he's like the second coach. You know, he, he's been there since day one for me. And I'm going to have him with me till probably the end, you know. Uh, I know like this uh, last UFC fight I had, uh, I went to a Genesis MMA up in Colorado. Uh, I, I, Jake was my coach there. Went there for, what, three months. You know, I had uh, both of him and then uh, John Duvall uh, to coach me for the, that fight, which was my last fight. Yeah, you're incredibly loyal, Tim. All right, you picked up a manager named Kyle Stoltz as well at one point. Yeah, he... Uh, he picked me up from Charles McCarthy because that was around the time the Reebok deal. And, like, there was uh, no more sponsors that you could have. And yep. so Charles lost his uh, PR guy because of that. And then uh, that was around the time when the contract was ending. And then that's when Kyle was talking to me. And then so I went with Kyle, and he uh, – I mean, he seemed like a pretty good guy. I know uh, – I went out to California uh, for uh, about a month whenever he lived out there, trained at uh, the uh, muscle farm, uh, went to a general Manley's house. Uh, he had a uh, – Jason Manley? Yeah, Jason Manley. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a pretty cool guy. And then the uh, body shop. Okay. That's – I got two questions. Kyle Stoltz. Chris, he was arrested, I want to say, about a year ago trying to pick up a 13-year-old over the internet, ended up doing time for it. So that's not, that's wrong? Is that what you're saying? Well, in this country, <laughs> in this country, you can you can have some issues with that. Hey, that, so, that's a big problem for me, man. Uh, yeah, I'd have a big problem with it. It's kind of a, oh, kind of a, did you talk to him after his arrest? So I actually didn't know that. He, he still has not talked to me about any of this. So I messaged him what probably... 
beginning of the year, I'm like, hey, you know, like I'm trying to get some fights. I kind of want to get back up, up in the big leagues again. Nothing. And I want to say is uh, for a couple months, uh, my strength conditioning coach, Derek Taylor, he, he told me what happened. I'm like, no way. There ain't no way. For real? He's like, yeah. So I'm like, well, that's why he didn't contact me. And uh, I, I'm I'm not cool with that either. So hmm. I'm, I'm actually kind of trying to look for a manager now. Yeah. So. So, so, Chris, you know, we have this podcast to rehash stories and talk about, like, obviously, I've never fought in the UFC. So I like to talk to people about their experience there. But I've also never had to feel the phone call with what had happened was, and then some sexual predator arrest. Ah. I was the conversation took place. To be honest with you, I was—I've never heard anybody walk me through one of those. <laughs> That'd be a bad one. So yeah, he was married too, wasn't he? No, nah, I don't know. That I know of, he was single. That I know of, uh, like I said, I, I went. That was back in 2019. No, 2018. 2018. I want to say 2016. I get a phone call out of the blue. Hey, man, I just want to kind of help you out. I do some local promotions here in the Chicagoland area. So I get these guys. They're usually just jerk offs calling me, just wasting mine and everybody else's time. But this guy was persistent. He comes to my first event just to kind of help out, you know, build the cage, tear down the cage at intermission. The first fight he's ever been to in his entire life, he comes over to me and he says, all right, I'm managing about six guys on this card right now. You have to negotiate with me from now on rather than, than them. And I'm like, I, I, you know, I just invited you to my event, and then you're, you're telling me I, I can't talk to my own fighters and their coaches? That's right. Dude, I had him throw him out of the – I had literally had him thrown out of my event. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. He's just, I don't know. I mean, but he did well for himself. He wound up with Hayabusa. I think he was matchmaking for freedom fights. And he had, wow. he had Van Zandt as one of his clients. Yeah. Yeah, he talked about Paige all the time. Because that's one of his uh, bigger, uh, bigger fighters. Yeah. Weird, dude. I remember. I'm like, yeah. this guy's managing Paige Van Zandt. I hate security to throw him out of my event. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nuts, man. So you're in a UFC. They put you in against the youngest fighter on their roster, somebody that's a silver gloves champion, gold gloves champion, and junior Olympic champion fighting out of the pit, Cassius Clay Collard. I think you won that fight. Like, I watched it. It's close. But I, I honestly thought you won the fight, man. I don't know why. I, I feel like that's one of those uh, and what fights. Like, it's either way. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think it was for the clay call that I got cut on. That's right. Yeah. What was it? Him or was it uh, Tony? I think it was clay Collard. So it's clay Collard. Uh, I was actually pretend, uh, I was actually being overprotective because the night was the night before weigh-ins. Yeah, it might have been the night. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, the yeah, night before you had to make weight. Yeah, it is the night before I had to make weight. Uh, I was just doing a simple drill, uh, you know, a pass. And uh, Austin Knight, he was he was a guy I was training with at the time. <laughs> he don't feel like that. He will feel so. But he didn't do nothing wrong. But so I I did a sweep and I brought his knee over and it just grazed my eyes, right? And uh, 
So you know, I'm like, all right, let's do it again. And then he looked at me, he's like, oh shit. I'm like, what? That, I'm like, you know, I, the blood. So yeah, he did. Uh, so my my above my eyebrow was like, <laughs> uh, it was, it was bad. Uh, so we had to get hold of uh, the manager to get hold of, I guess uh, the. Well, one one of the main guys for the UFC, but they ended up telling Dana, and Dana was pissed because uh, he thought I was going to be pulling out. I'm like, well, if you know if they can sew this up, make it look like it didn't happen, and I'll, I'll, I'm fine. I'll, I'll I'll fight. So uh, they we went to the doctors. We we're like it was like three in the morning. We got to a doctor. He did like inside uh, sutures, and uh, the next day. Uh, we weighed in, and Dana was just staring me down, man. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Dana. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, yeah, I, he's just proud of that. Like, like, I think like, he'd be Yeah, well, he, he was, but I mean, he was mad that it happened. He probably thought I was training too hard going live or something, which really, I was just a simple drill. But I, I was I was overprotective of the eye because if I was to get punched, it just – splatter and they probably end up stopping the fight because of the blood in the eye. So I was overprotective of that. Yeah, it happens. Hey, I hate to do this. I got to get out of here, fellas. Um, Alex, uh, Kelly, like I say, nice to meet you guys. Sorry I have to take thank off. But I told I guess got remember. So thank you for your time. And uh, Mike, carry on. I'll see you guys. We later. got you. Thank you. Wait, hold up, guys. We're going to keep going. Love you, Chris. Thanks, buddy. All right. So we're going to get through UFC card. You got time? Alex, you good? Yeah. Let's knock these out, dude. All right. So Cassius Clay Collard, dude, you guys were throwing fastballs. The thing with, with Collard is that he's 21 years old, but he's a friggin' dog. He's a dog, bro. So, like, every single time, like, he got him finished, he's actually kind of crouched down putting air in his body and then just throwing a hard fastball like he's a super dangerous guy he be i mean he's look at his record he's fought a ton of tough people yeah, yeah i mean that's that's a tough fight i i, I felt like the uh the uh being overprotective of the eye kind of slowed me down how did you guys get not get fight of the night for that that i, mean, I felt like the, that was wow I think there's one other time where I'm like, man, that that was probably close. I was the Edmonton fight with the elbow after elbow after elbow. I'm like, man, that's the most consecutive elbows ever, I think. Did, did they talk to you about a fight of the night on that, or did they just kind of? No. No, it's sometimes they right, give it, it to it's that. Meant for the, for the main card, you know, like they usually give it to the main card. That sucks. That sucks. I mean, it's freaking phenomenal fight. You were supposed to fight a guy from the Philippines, uh, Mark Ediva, but you got – you were injured. What 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 happened there? Uh, I think that might have been when uh, I either broke my hand. So I broke my hand one time again, and then uh, I actually turned cartilage in my rib. All right. Who were you dealing with at the UFC at this point? Uh, I think it was Sean Selby was my matchmaker. Was he pissed off at you? Uh, truthfully, I don't know. Uh, there's, there's the manager that took care that took care of all of that, so okay. I, I don't know what was his, his comments or, or whatnot. 
because you were off over an entire year at that. So a lot of times when they punish people, they extend their contracts and just kind of dump on them that way. And they put you up against Artem Lobov, which on paper, like it's got fireworks written all over it. Yeah, I uh, uh, he's a mounting son of a gun. I mean, I, I'm I'm like uh, I mean we're, we're on uh, Instagram, you know, like he's pretty chill on Instagram. Like, but we've said a couple of things to each other before, and I mean he was pretty chill. Uh, but like during that fight, uh, he's being a Conor McGregor Jr. You know, just mouthing, trying to sell the show. But you know, like. That's the thing, you know, like, I was bullied back in the day. I'm not going to get bullied now, you know? So I, I want to say, like, almost every day for that fight, I went live. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, every day for the fight, you're what? Uh, and so uh, to get ready for that fight, almost every day I was going live. Just to read what he was saying. Oh, yeah, that's the crap that he was talking. He was super disrespectful. Yeah, super disrespectful, talking all kinds of shit. So, you know, kind of you you if, if you're going to sell, if you're going to talk shit, you better be prepared to eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, I've watched your entire career up until this point, the fights that I could find. This appears to me to be the first fight you ever had that you followed a game plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, that. I don't know. I guess that to me, like with all that crap talking, I uh, I, I guess uh, like I felt like he was trying to make me feel who I was in the past, and I, you know, I'm I'm over that. I'm above that, and I, I'm not gonna settle for that. Well, he said that so, after the UFC that he got oh, it in the easy way. Oh yeah. Uncle Dana, he said. But he got his way. <laughs> I didn't understand the comments. It really yeah. was upsetting. No, he said that Dana was like, what, my dad or my uncle yeah. or something. Yeah, he was super just, just disrespectful. And he made fun of our small hometown and stuff. So it was personal investment. So at this point, are you like a hero walking around the streets of your hometown? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know about hero, but I, I, mean, I, I mean, those people that do look up to me because – in our small town, there's only a couple of people that's done anything. And I guess some of them don't even claim that as the town anymore. So I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm your average Joe that's walking around that's like, hey, that, that's that guy. I'm like, hey. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. You that's guys also got like a, a kicker from the New England Patriots that, that won a Super Bowl ring from your, your hometown. Yeah. Uh, who was that? Um, Kyle Richardson. And then I know uh, uh, there's also a uh, basketball player, uh, Chris Carr. Right? Uh, Chris Carr from uh, Ironton. I'm not a big basketball guy. Do you guys kind of all – do the athletes all know each other then? Like, do you ever run into these people? Was it such a small town? Uh, I, I don't know those people. Are you the only one that went back there? Everybody else kind of left and never came back? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So you beat Lobov. Um, I, I, I obviously, I mean, we we got Tony uh, Martin was another future fight. I thought that yeah. could have been fight of the night as well. Uh, Tony was kind of a grinder. He actually just got arrested. Uh, hit a domestic issue right before Christmas. 
Uh, it sucks. You know, I, I don't, I don't like, yeah. I know we sit here and we talk about promoters that rip people off and things like that. But, you know, when somebody's got some personal problems like that, I don't find joy in that shit at all. Like that uh, James Krause, your situation. This, I mean, you guys fought right after that. Um, I, I, I know he had top control. But, you know, like I, I thought I was beating him from bottom. I don't know if that counted or not, but it is what it is. I, I got no problems with James. I, I thought he's a pretty, he's a pretty cool guy. Before, I, I trained with him before, and I've trained with him after. Well, if, if you really look at like the instances involving him, you got to really read between the lines. So instead of like the salacious headlines, or like some jerk off talking head that's got no idea, no context, in real MMA world. They'll like read other people's stuff or look at other people's videos and then they'll come up with something even crazier to describe the same thing without actually ever talking to anybody involved. So if you look at like between the lines, James Krause isn't fixing fights. James Krause did not fix a fight. Now, the fighter and his other people, they may have done some stuff, but to say James is involved isn't true. And you know it's not because he turned over all of his equipment to, without needing a search warrant or anything like that to the feds. He's just like, no, brother, yeah. here it is. Take a look at it. Right there, it tells you he's not involved. And, I, and I like, think it's probably what they did to him, but yeah, him and his files. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, them saying he's under investigation, he can't really operate his business, dude, that sucks. Yeah, that sucks. And by them, like the new headline is he was working with offshore like gambling facilities. Well, here, let's go to Colby, Colby, Colby Covington's Instagram. Let's go to Joanna's Instagram. Anybody that they were advertising using a promo code, that's an offshore book that was sending them money. So it's like. They used Insta, like MoneyGram. They used, you, you know, it's like that's not like some. They're not stuffing dollar bills and like stuffed animals and sending it to Costa Rica. No, they're they're getting a promo code and a kickback for everybody that loses using your promo code. So Chel Sonnen, what he's guilty of is what everybody else is doing or has done. So I, I feel bad for the guy, man. I honestly do. It, it's and it's wrong. Let's take it. And they're going to get him on tax issues. They're going to get it guilty on tax issues, but nothing in regards to him fixing a fight. Uh, Guaranteed. I mean, he's a good guy. Like I said, he's a good guy. I've chosen him before and after. I, I don't know what all went down. I, I I don't really read up on that kind of stuff, anyways. But <laughs> as a person, you know, he's a good guy. Well, I appreciate you clearing that up too. I, I didn't know what was going on, and you yeah. totally cleared the air, and I appreciate you for that. Yeah, but, dude, that, that's just reality. And, you know, man, shit happens. This fight, how many scumbags have we all had to deal with or look in the eye and actually do business with at one point or another? It's part of the game, and it's life. You don't deal with everybody that's a good person. It's That's life, you know? I like yeah. James. I got no problem with the guy. But, dude, this is about you. I just went on like a 10-minute tangent. Um, <laughs> here, let's wind up with Dan Moret. Another fantastic fight, a win for you. Um, Moret, when you watch the opening 
stanza, the opening exchange, Moret lands a running punch that has every single ounce of like pressure and strength that he could ever muster up, and it lands. <laughs> Are you wear a glass jaw. My mama didn't raise someone with a glass jaw. That's crazy. And it's like he had to understand at that point, man, like that Ben Askren, you know, Masvid on me yeah. that landed. He landed it and it didn't bother you. Yeah, I uh I don't know. I I I, I guess it's the heart. I don't I don't know. Like like Stallone said, it's not about how hard you can hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving. <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, no, it's fantastic, bro. Again, it's, it's like it's, it's something that uh, you should be very proud of, like that, that performance. And any any ter- words on fight of the night there either? No, I think it was in the first round. Alex got taken down right in front of the corner, right in front of me, and I seen Dan land an elbow, and I saw the blood squirt like a fountain. And I knew that was not good. I thought that I honestly thought they may stop the fight at that point. Kelly, you gave him fantastic advice. Like the one thing that I got to say about you is the entire time, like in your corners, even the UFC commentators, dude, you guys are from like, a, like you, you call it a chunk of Missouri. Everybody else is kind of looking at you out of the side of their eyes and laughing because they're from some, you know, 9 million plus populated city. And the advice you were getting in your corner, spot on. And all of the announcers, Dominic Cruz, dude, he's a prick when it comes to, like, talking about corners and fights. Even he was dishing out compliments. That's as high as you're going to get. I will take it. Uh, I think just knowing Alex as a person really helps cornering guys. If you know people, you train with them, you know what they got and what they're capable of. You know what you need to tell him to keep him in the fight. And uh, I just tried to do that for him as best I could. Uh, do you remember your advice to him? Do you remember your advice to him in between the first and second round? Honestly, not off the top of my head. Um, I can't really recall. You said, dude, your cut is nasty. If you want to want, if you want to win this fight, you better get it this round. Like you pretty much told him, and it was spot on. Like the fight went all three rounds, but the advice you gave was, hey, brother, you better fight with some urgency. I, I don't care what took place there. They're calling this fight because of that cut. That's what you told her. That's all I wanted to do is just get a little bit of sense of urgency, light a little bit of fire. So I know what he's capable. I know once his combinations start flowing, he's hard to deal with. Once he's in the fight, like you said, it takes a little bit for him. But once he's in there, I believe he can hang with anyone in the world, top 10 guys, especially. I think he could. You know, Kelly, and like I said, I'm not in the gym. I'm not an MMA. You know, I'm not a, obviously an MMA fighter, clearly. But, like, if there was little things that you had to kind of pick apart on Alex, hand speed and a little bit of looping punches. Like, it's almost – and, like, in, in your, your fight with the Brazilian cat, Martins, you, you were kind of coming in with your chin up. They were like habits that you've never had before, but you kind of picked up for that fight. Yeah. The game plan was for him to wrestle. He was supposed to take Martins down. Use the game plan was to use his ability to close the distance quick, 
use his punches to disguise it, get him down. But he got caught up in that firefight in that fight. And as a pissing contest. And he got stuck in it. And it was exciting, but it was not what we had planned to do. Yeah, I could see that, Alex. Like, you kind of, okay, you try to beat somebody at their own game. <laughs> yeah. He damn near yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That was <laughs> definitely a difficult fight. Um, you end your UFC career with Fiziev, um, with Raphael uh, Fiziev, who is in contention for the title right now at 155. You oh, also gosh. changed weight yeah. classes and stayed there at 55. Yeah, I feel like uh, 145, man, like, it was like the death of me. Like, I feel like I didn't have as much energy as I did at 155. Yeah, six so foot I'm tall, technically- 145. That, that's not an easy – and you got a lot of muscle on you. That's yeah. a hard weight to maintain. I uh, Like, uh, my amateur fight, there's 155 Ohio. And then the – I want to say what, the last amateur fight might have been at 145. I think I think it might have been. Yeah, and then – uh. My my pros all the way to what nine? Yeah. Nine. Uh, no. Twelve. Twelve. Ten. No. Was, well, you fought a forty-five well, yeah. until the Canadian fat cat you fought. Yeah. Right? So so I almost said like around twelve fights was at one forty-five, and then I, I just had to go up. You know, the weight cut was too much. Oh. Huh. So Fiziev, um I mean, you had a good run in the UFC. I was actually surprised that they released you after that fight because you. You were about 500 in your last four fights. Usually they'll extend a contract to you. Um, what was the conversation like with them? Uh, there wasn't no conversation. It was, I think they actually offered, a, I think they offered me a short notice fight and uh, there's no way for me to take it. And then they kind of just cut me. Okay. Yeah, because you, you were filling in on a bunch of fights for them last minute. And usually, like, when you do something like that, you're kind of owed a favor. I'm not sure they ever gave you your favor. They just kept asking for that last minute type of, uh, you know, that type of situation. Yeah, I mean, I I, I get it. Like you said earlier, uh, like after the, you're on a two-lock streak, on that next one, you know, it's do or die time. And yeah, I wasn't able to really showcase what I've learned in that fight, which kind of sucks because uh, I was in Colorado for three and a half months and I, I learned a lot. I uh, turned with a lot of good guys, amazing guys, and it just sucked I wasn't able to showcase it just because, uh, you know, he's a stud guy. Oh, and, dude, you're uh, talking – he's arguably like Justin Gaethje won't fight him. And – um. You're talking about a guy that's probably top three in the world. And, you know, and, and you're a brawler, and he's a technique guy. Like, in my opinion, like, if, if you're an organization, you want to see fight of the night on a regional organization, you and Jason Knight clashing at a main event, dude, I, I would purchase that to watch it at home. Like, that's got fight of the night written all over it. You got two guys that are technical but have – maybe some slight issues with guys that are super technical and all technique and speed, but you guys like to get down dirty. You know, you bring your, bring your lunch to work. Those are the type of fighters you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's, that's what we're fans <laughs> of. 
So your last fight like 170 pounds, and we're closing out right now. Hold on, hold on one second. Let me let me let me jump in really quick because sure. um you got cut by the UFC and you got fizzy. That was 2019, and it looks like you you know you said you understand, but you you, you took a few years off and came back in 2002. What was what was the layoff for? Uh, so. I was going to take a yell off, but I ended up getting into a vehicle accident that uh, ripped and tore my uh, back, all my back muscle, all the way to my neck muscle. So just, uh, yeah, just uh, getting back in the shape and doing rehab from that uh, while it was tough. How do you feel physically now? Uh, I'm better now. Uh, I, I know I got some of... Uh, uh, bulging desk in my lower back, so I have to work on my core to make up for the so I don't use that lower back as much, but um, you know, I'm alive. I'm, I'm kicking it. Was the accident <laughs> your fault or their fault? Uh, the wreck? No, I, I was in the passenger seat. I was almost injected. But the, the only thing that kept me in was uh my legs being panned up against the door and then dash. Yeah, I like uh this skull, I was impelled by a tree branch. What, yeah. what the what the fuck were you doing? So uh, we was coming home. Well, me and my buddy was coming home from a uh, a float trip, and he was just driving too fast on the back road, and we flew off a uh, five foot embankment <laughs> through a couple of trees. Oh my god! Yeah, he, he was trying to drift around the corners, and well. He wasn't the best, obviously. <laughs> Holy shit. That's fucking bonkers. Yeah. What about mom? Mom throws you out of the house because she doesn't want you racing a car too fast. And you're on, on pay-per-view with, with the UFC. Does she ever kind of come around to this? Or is she kind of? No, she kind of talks light about it. And only if I ever bring it up, you know? And I, I don't try to guilt trip or anything, so I don't really bring it up much. But I think it's only been brought up once, and she's like, no, I'd never do that. I'm like, you did do that. And then, you know, like, she still asked me to take in the doctor appointments and all that. And, well, they're my parents, so I still took them to the doctor appointments. <laughs> yeah. What about you fighting? Was she a fan of it or against it? No, she, 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 she is for it. No, she's like, well, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Did she come on a blast? No. Due to health reasons, she can't. Okay. okay. Uh, I know uh, my dad My dad was kind of worried about me, and uh, he, he grew to like it, and he came to several of my fights. That's good. That's good. Well, Alex, you're an absolute gentleman. We sincerely appreciate your time. Um, we try to do these little MMA history podcasts in regards to like just preserving history from the fighter's point of view. And Kelly contacted us a few weeks ago, and I know we, we kind of missed a few times, but, man, we put it together. And, Kelly, sincerely appreciate your help as well, bro. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. It was an absolute Absolutely. pleasure. Uh, I'm glad I got to come on and talk to you guys, man. You guys are great. Uh, I love Bobo. I love Bodog. It was a great show. I enjoyed it, so – I'm glad I got to talk to him a little bit as well. Uh, Miguel, that's great, man. I appreciate you. Mike, you're the best, man. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Miguel, Bodog. Yeah, you know, 
you know, it's a, I think it's for the hardcore fans to look back at. And uh, Kelly, you certainly qualify. So thank you very much, coach. No problem, man. We had a teammate. Well, kind of, he was kind of a coach. Steve Berger fought for you. So that drew my eyes to it. And it was just awesome, man. Uh, Yeah, it was a great show. I loved watching the fights on there. They're always competitive. So Steve Berger, did you listen to our interview with him? You guys interviewed Steve? Dude, he gets in an argument with his wife at the end. Like, he's, like, <laughs> hiding. He's hiding in, like, the closet, like, the clothes closet. And she's like, well, you come to bed. And he's like, hey, this is important. You know, we're, like, three hours old. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, Steve's yeah. a good thing. Like Absolutely. That. Thank you, guys. Be good, man. Miguel, sometimes we get that one. How wait, wait, cool wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Alex White is in the books. I had to say it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. When you and I talked before, we both obviously who Alex White was. But when I said, man, I'm looking at this guy's story. It's actually really cool. How could you not walk away from that saying, man, I really like that guy? Yeah, you know, I think that's one of those unsung hero guys. I think that that he's a guy that the UFC would be like, ah, you know, he's from Missouri. He's got a little speech impediment. You know, we can't make a star out of him. And I think I disagree. You know, I, I, I think yeah. the sport ability should take over. And him with a little nurturing looks like he had a lot of natural ability. He didn't get nurtured. So um, I think it is a fascinating story. And, and one's, and I like the kid. The kid, you know, he's a real down to earth guy. And I say kid, he's a man, obviously, but I'm getting old. So he still is, you know, that youth aura where he still has innocence about him, where he wasn't used to being interviewed and stuff. I think, you know, he pulled off a great interview here because um, I got to know Alex White. I'm happy. Yeah, yeah it's feel good. So, so like, we get the Mark Coleman's where, you know, they're, you know, hardcore, <laughs> talking about crazy stuff. You know, we get the Ian Heinich's that just their, their life is just needs to be made in a movie because it's so unbelievable. And then we get these feel-good stories, like Jason Knight, feel-good story, Alex White, uh, feel-good story, and Kelly Birch uh, really helped line this up. He's one of uh, the coaches that the Jimmy works out with, and I'm really glad he said, and I think it helped uh, it helped somebody that's not comfortable doing interviews feel a little bit more at ease because he had somebody next to him, and um, yeah, I, I thought that was a Good touch. Good touch. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, 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 you know, here's a case where the kid, you know, he's got a speech impediment. He goes over it in the very first part of the interview, of, you know, the accident that caused it from when he was six years old. So he's lived his whole life with that. Hasn't really done interviews and stuff. And Kelly's presence made him comfortable. And I think the, the you know, feather in our cap comes with the post uh, interview text that you got, which was, you know, Alex thanking you. He never had so much fun in an interview, and he had a great time, and he was grateful. So um, I think that's but, what it is. Just let them talk. His first podcast, we broke Alex's cherry. All right. <laughs> even better, man, you know. But he's been in front of the UFC mics and stuff. Yeah. And, again, no nobody there, uh, you know, said, oh, let's keep an eye on this kid. They they, they let him go by the wayside. And, uh, you know, he's after that, you you know, you just kind of got to wonder what would have been. Hopefully, hopefully, he gets another shot at some of the big shows. He still has some some age and and fights left in him. He says so. We'll, we'll hopefully it goes well. And him and is Jason it, Knight are outrageous. Yeah, I mean, 
isn't that a shame though when you got somebody like this and and you gotta i mean everybody home you gotta remember he is not comfortable giving long talks or sitting in front of a camera because his entire life he's been a little self-conscious about his issue he just sat with us for two hours and we had a really good time everybody's accepting of, of what, what's going on there. And, and I thought he came across very clear about 95% of the interview. Now, yeah. for so the, the UFC not to recognize that, wait a minute, not only is his fighting style friggin' like really fun and exciting, you know, which, all right, is he ever going to win a world title? Maybe, maybe not, depending on who you put him up against. But you can get a fight of the night every single time that guy's on a card as long as you match him properly. And his ability to take a punch and not get concussed, it tells you he's he's probably got a thick skull and he's he's willing to you know make you earn his money the hard way. But for them not to recognize that, it kind it kind of like it makes our job easy. To be honest with you, it makes it easier for us. You you, you don't know all the issues and everything, but you do. Uh, you know, looking back at the history of it, you do get left with, you know, what might have been in in some cases. You know what I mean? And uh, you know. Um, the UFC's got a 700-man roster, and they're not going to make stars out of everybody. And I'm not saying that, you know, Alex White is going to make people forget Conor McGregor, but I think you know, um, his he can athletic, move a needle. He can he can move a fight night needle. Yeah, his athletic ability is interesting enough. Hey, he might beat McGregor if you gave him the shot. They never would, right? But that's the the nature of the sport. I mean, the bottom line is is the athletic abilities should speak for himself. And what he just showed us in this two-hour interview means that the kid had some depth. It's not just some kid who can't talk and he's not good on camera and that's it. That's how they decide things. Hey, get, get to the bottom of it, make him comfortable, and he'll tell he'll weave a little story and he'll he'll get into it. And um, yeah, you know, every every they can't give everybody a shot, but sometimes with the guys that got left behind, you always it hits you, you know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So February 24th. Ignite FC returns to Burridge, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. We're at Compass Arena. We've got like three title fights. I'm going to be doing commentary for it. Um, I think Miguel, I think you're you're in talks with a big organization. Are you willing to talk about that? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. I, okay. I don't know. I don't know what's coming uh, or going yet. I'm trying to get. Uh, the website updated, and uh, I think things are going well. The new address will have the whole library up probably within the next week or so, but uh, you're starting to see bits and pieces of organization and uh, new look and feel and a little bit of new attitude going into the site so, so that, uh, you know, we keep growing, hopefully. So we've narrowed it down to one YouTube page. Everything's going to be on one page. People have been telling us to do that from the beginning. And every single time they've said it, we both responded, well, we've got too much on each side. And now we're just going to bite the bullet and bring it over now before it's you know way out of control. Um, so everything is on one page right now. Miguel, uh, I, I th we also got news that we were in a top 25%. We know we... Started with that with uh, Chris Lytle. Top 25% podcast listened to on Buzzsprout, which is a major platform for hosting. So to kind of make it there means that we're at the precipice of a very, very steep hill. And the only way to keep climbing is if, uh, you know, people that are sharing it continue to do so. Yeah, I got a little bad news for everybody out there. If you previously watched an interview and enjoyed it, 
uh, it's now required that you go and, and listen to it again. So yeah, you, you, you gotta do it again. And, and like, yeah, we're and gonna, I think we're missing some timestamps. We're we're putting the list together next week. We'll have it. Uh, and anybody that helps us with the time, we're gonna need a week to get all the bells and whistles there. But I think at the end of the day, you're gonna you're gonna see a real different product in terms of polish. So we'll see how it goes. Yes. So with the missing timestamps, we're just gonna do a little contest, free T-shirt for anybody that helps us out when we are ready finishing updating. So greatly appreciate it, Miguel. That's another one in the books, brother. That was a, that's a win. That's a that's a W for us. Alex White is in the books. Check out the full interview on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms.